This program is sponsored by Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts. Located in 185 Worcester Street, right on Route 9, they can be reached at 508-545-8105 or at wickedchronicvendorcommerce.com. Wicked Chronic is a boutique-style retail shop that focuses on selling counterculture products such as Wiccan cannabis cultures coming together in a unique setting. You need something for that special spell? Go on down to Wicked Chronic in Natick, Massachusetts and speak to Beverly. Tell them Dr. Chris sent you. Check them out today. Welcome back to a new exciting episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore, part of the Radio Horror Network. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mel Heflin, his co-host. And tonight we are talking about the Universal Warner Brothers Paramount monster movies of the bygone days of yore, as connected to the tonight's episode, which is Monster Movie from Season 4. And Mel Heflin has the plot synopsis for us. Season 4, Episode 5. It is Halloween, and Sam and Dean must fight against a shapeshifter with a prediction for impersonating... With a predilection for impersonating right, classic... Take a big break, pause, and then start over that from the beginning. Sam and Dean must fight a shapeshifter with a predilection for impersonating classic black-and-white monster uh, movie monsters, like Dracula... Frankenstein, and The Mummy. The original air date was October 16, 2008. So the creature of the episode um, is a shifter, and we've already done a shifter, or I did before previously. So the episode itself is about, uh, mostly about the bygone era of Universal Monster Films which is really cool because those films are uh, still really hold up. And those films star- starred Bela Lugosi, Boris Karloff, and Lon Chaney and Lon Chaney Jr., um, as well as like Claude Rains as the Invisible Man, and uh, hundreds of other people in uh, glorious black and white. And Universal was the big staple of those films. And I watched them a lot in like reruns or those old VHS uh, cassettes that you could buy. Oh, I remember those. They would come out at Walmart around Halloween. Like Dementia 13? Right. I actually um, portrayed Bride of Frankenstein at a 1940s event. Since the, ni- um, the Bride of Frankenstein came out in 1935, um, I always thought she was extra, extra beautiful. Elsa Lancaster. Yes. Who played Mary Shelley at the very beginning of the Bride of Frankenstein movie as well. Did you know that originally she was meant to wear, like, a birdcage on her head instead of the wig? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, I know there's been a couple movies made about her and her life. And, of course, uh, the Bride of Frankenstein's monster... The Bride of Frankenstein uh, creature kind of lives on every uh, week on Sunday nights in Marge Simpson. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I never really connected those dots. Um, yeah. Um, the original plot of Bride of Frankenstein actually had everything from death rays to circus lions. 
I thought it was interesting. This is the uh, this is the only episode of Supernatural out of its 15 seasons that's in black and white. I think they did it really spectacularly. Sometimes with black and white, um, when when you film, some of the colors blend in together, which is like for instance uh, when they filmed the monsters, their the inside of their house, their living room, was actually pink because colors in black and white um, blend differently, and you have to do black and white makeup differently than regular makeup. Yeah, and so did the Adams Family as well. The Adams Family also had a entirely black and white uh, TV show, but a lot of the stuff was like in color in it. Yeah, uh, I remember seeing a color photograph of um, the inside of the Munsters living room and just how insane it looked in color. Right, and then right at the beginning of the uh, the sorry, uh, a couple of years ago they released uh, a couple of years ago they re- they um, they uh, released photos of what the Adams family one was. Oh, I would love to see that. Yeah, they're all available online, so they're all in full color using a colored camera. Um, in preparation for this episode of our podcast, I. I watched a couple black and white movies, one of them being the picture of Dorian Gray. I can't remember. I feel like it was 1932 it came out. I might be, I might be crazy on that, but um, just wow how some of these actors were a little overdramatic, but still incredibly fabulous at the same time. It's just absolutely breathtaking. I feel like I am really glad to be doing an episode on this because uh, it definitely deserves um, a shout out. The black and white movies. There's a, um, the, uh, I have, uh, I think I have all of these on individual uh, cases, but I know they've been released multiple times as well. Uh, the opening and ed- ending music for this uh, hackers back to old uh, Universal, like very heavy on the uh, pipe organ style music that they would use. Um, yeah. The only time I ever had any type of like interview connection to anyone from the Universal Monster movies was uh, Julia Adams, who is the uh, female beauty of the creature from the Black Lagoon, came on my show about four years ago. Uh, she wow. Uh, she passed away last year. Oh. Uh, but yeah, uh, that is the only person from that era I have ever had on Radio Par. Um, and sh- there are very, very few people left because those movies were made back in the 30s. So, mm. and uh, we've lost pretty much almost everybody. But the creature was made in the 50s. So that is the last of the Universal monster movies as uh, horror movies were no longer being that popular and they were transitioning into sci-fi. And then horror pretty much kind of, you know, went away for a long time until like, you know, Night of the Living Dead or but really like Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre really brought it back. Yeah. Um, not to say that there weren't horror movies in the 50s, but there just there was definitely was not the glutton of horror movies like there were in the 30s and 40s. And of course, Universal Studios recently tried to bring back their monster movies with the Dark Universe, and it was an epic freaking failure. <laughs> oh, so sad. I would love to see uh, not really recreations because I'm I'm not a fan of the idea of remaking these movies, but. Um, I don't know. I, I really enjoy Easter eggs and little nuances. The Universal monster movies 
um, that they're trying to do right now, which was, again, the failure with the uh, the Wolfman was a failure, Dracula Untold was a failure. And by failure, I mean, like, it didn't make enough money back in the box office. It was critically just disdained. Uh, the Mummy with Tom Cruise tried way too hard to shove everything into one movie. So then they did The, the, the Invisible Man this year. And The Invisible Man was a huge hit. And it was out in theaters before really? the quarantine happened. So it made back a lot of money. Um, it was pretty much on its way out of theaters by the time the quarantine really started setting in, which is fine because that way it can make its money. And a lot of people loved it. Plus, it wasn't a supernatural um, thing that made him the Invisible Man. Now, in the original, it wasn't supernatural either. It was an experiment gone wrong. And the invisibility slowly drives the Invisible Man insane. In this, it's a suit that he wears. And I don't want to give any more spoilers away because you can tell from the trailer it's a stalker-like movie. But yeah, it's a suit. It's not a formula this time. It's a suit with like a tons of little micro cameras on it. How fascinating. Um... I'll make another one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they uh, Supposedly, they might be doing The Invisible Woman, which they would have to change the name of because that is a character uh, associated with a, uh, you know, Dis- uh, Disney Marvel property, the Fantastic Four. So uh, when I watched the picture of Dorian Gray recently, uh, I was thinking, you know, you always hear the whole this legend of Dorian Gray. You see it in... Oh, gosh, what's that show? Sabrina. He's a character in Sabrina, the teenage, which is the new one on Netflix. Um, we're constantly hearing about this character, but we know, I know so little about him, even, you know, looking up some stuff. But I don't know if he's from a book, but I would love to see them actually try to make some of the older films new again. Not, not like... Um, revamping them or recreating them, but I don't know. I feel like the universe should be expanded on, and that's great to hear that they're, you know, that the Invisible Man Man did so well. The Dracula, um, the shapeshifter, who basically takes the form of Dracula through most of the movie, is played by Todd Sashwick, and uh, his biggest claim to fame is he plays Deacon on 12 Monkeys, or he did okay. for three years, uh, which was a sci-fi tel- TV series. Uh, I, did, I didn't watch it, but I know of it. Okay. And then he also played uh, Richard Sionis, uh, who I believe is Black Mask, on the TV series Gotham. Hmm. And then he was on the Originals, uh, which is a vampire spinoff of the, the Vampire Diaries. Justified. I actually never watched The Vampire Diaries. And then he was Eli on Heroes in, looks like, season two, maybe. He seems to do a lot of work for the CW. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, his career goes back to 1997, and he has been on stuff. Uh, he was a voice actor early in his career on Courage the Cowardly Dog. Wow! Yeah. And currently is in a bunch of, looks like made for, you know, looks like a bunch of films. Uh, he was on SWAT recently, which stars another vampire, David Boreanaz. He seems to like vampires, too. Yeah, and he's been in uh, Kim Possible, too. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Right. What a great career. The one person that point, that stands out for me is uh, Gary Chalk is in this episode. He plays the sheriff that works with Sam and Dean, and I love me some Gary Chalk, but I mostly love Gary Chalk from this uh, little cartoon series. Hold on one second. Close enough to enjoy it. 
plays uh, Optimus Primal, the descendant of Optimus Prime, on the uh, cartoon series Beast Wars, Transformers, and Beast Machines, uh, which ran from like 96 through 2001. Huh. But he's a longtime character actor. This guy has been in stuff for an incredibly long time. Uh, he started alongside my friend Jennifer Blank Bean in the TV series Dark Angel, uh, but he's also been on the X-Files, and he's been in... Uh, many voiceover cartoon characters. Uh, he was on My Little Pony. He was Man at Arms in the 2003 uh, re- redo of He-Man. Uh, he plays the uh, Navy Chief of Staff uh, most recently in the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. He's one of the un- un- he's one of the unfortunate idiots at the Pentagon who tells Doctor Robotnik, played by Jim Carrey, to go after Sonic. That's awesome. Yeah. So longtime character actor. I absolutely love seeing him and. In- and anything that he happens to appear in. Uh, I want to talk about the music in this episode. Like I said, from the very beginning, we have the old monster movie score by Jay Gruska, which is fantastic, and then the ending score, uh, which is this uh, like organ kind of music, which is uh, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I watched this episode, how you know it opens in black and white and everything, and um, the music, it just it sets the tone like, oh man, what are we getting into? What is your favorite Universal Monster movies? There are, by the way, people, so just, just get a little heads up. This podcast could go on for weeks on end about Universal Monsters. 
we're not going to get too deep into Universal Monster Love. There are plenty of podcasts that go into the Universal Monster movies and probably watch them one film at a time. So this is really going to be our overall just kind of joy of what we like about these movies. We all know who Bela Lugosi is. We all know who Boris Karloff is. If you're listening to this podcast and you do not know who those two people are, stop listening to this podcast and go watch a fucking Universal Monster movie and listen to a better podcast that will discuss them in detail than we will. <laughs> this is just Mel and I's just absolute love of this episode. Again, there is an episode about shifters that Kat and I covered way back in early of the days of the podcast. So go back to the early episodes and you can hear us talk about shifters and that. But we're not going to get too deep into some of the uh, stuff about Universal Monsters other than just our general consensus and love what happens to happen to be. So I just want to get that out there for people who are just kind of wondering, well, this is not what I'm usually expecting, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but anyway, okay. to answer my question. Um, my favorite, oh, it's tough because, like, I love the Wolfman. I love the creature from the Black Lagoon. I was really disappointed not seeing the creature from the Black Lagoon, but it was also made a little bit later. I'm going to have to go with the Bride of Frankenstein, and it's not just just how beautiful she is. It's, it's like, did you know when they filmed Bride of Frankenstein, she actually took her character from, like, a swan because they hiss. Mm-hmm. And they actually reversed her hiss. They reversed it and played it backwards. This this crazy, amazing. Like you're taking acting tips from a goose, essentially. That's so cool. My favorite Universal monster movie happens to be this one. Hold on, I will bring up the trailer for you and see if you can figure out which one it is. sleeps in this coffin, but rises every night at sunset. Chick is right. This is awful silly stuff. Come on, take it all out. Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein. Oh, goodness. One of my favorite Universal Monster movies. I can't think of anybody who absolutely hates this movie or dislikes this movie for any reason whatsoever. It's got all three of the original Universal Monsters in it. Some play, two, two of the three played by their original actors, and one played by Glenn Strange, which was basically the best runner-up to Boris Karloff playing the creature, because Boris played the creature in three films. Yeah. Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein, which Son of Frankenstein, of course, was the inspiration for what famous Mel Brooks film? Son of Frankenstein is the inspiration for Young Frankenstein. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, what about Ghost of Frankenstein? Not so great. It's okay. <laughs> it's all right. I mean, Glenn Strange is in it. Um, or it's, um, I'm sorry, not Glenn Strange. It's, uh, is it Glenn Strange? Hold on a second. Ghost. Ghost of Frankenstein is Lon Chaney uh, Jr., who played uh, the Wolfman in every film the Wolfman was in. Did we mention Frankenstein meets the Wolfman? Uh, no. I mean, it's a good movie. Um, it's just, I never hold that movie up to being the great film that it's meant to be, because the fight between the two of them is at the very end, and it's 
less than a minute. Okay, so something uh, about that film was they cut Frankenstein, all of Bela Lugosi's lines from that movie because when they originally played it in theaters, the entire audience just roared laughter because they couldn't take the movie seriously. They heard Lugosi speaking with the Hungarian accent. It's strange because during The Ghost of Frankenstein, which was taken more seriously, the monster talks. Well, here's the other thing, is that um, I, I'm not a big fan of Lugosi as the monster. Also, he turned down playing the monster, and it went to Boris Karloff, because he was actually offered it after Dracula. I think all these uh, films are so fun. You've got The Son of Frankenstein, you've got The Son of Dracula, which The Son of Dracula was the first time anybody has turned into a bat. little section of the show we like to call what is the movie that mel heflin has played a character in connected to the creature in question now not necessarily a shapeshifter but excuse me mel have you ever done a black and white horror movie i actually have i did a nine minute short film called the chair in 2018 by wade brown and uh, i play the daughter of a man going crazy i had originally worked with wade brown in like 2009 and he called me back to come work on this short film and um, so my father in the movie he spends all of his time day in day out sitting in this chair and he starts to see all sorts of weird things like children crawling out of the TV and all sorts of nutty things like that and um, my, my role is pretty simple but it's still pretty cool to have worked on something in black and white only once in over 10 years of acting have I ever worked on anything specifically in black and white, at least that I can recall. I did a black and white short film called Dracula's Guest. Uh, it is the prequel to my Dracula gender swap comic book. And yes. the uh, Dracula Guest is the uh, meeting of my female Dracula with the female Renfield. And for like five minutes, Mel was going to be part of that comic book, but the artists that have worked on it just have never used any of the models that I gave them for character design. <laughs> Unfortunately. I went through a whole process of getting everyone to sign away their likeness or whatever, and everyone was very happy to be like, yeah, include me. And then nothing, just nothing. <laughs> yeah, I was excited. Yeah, it's just every artist or whatever just couldn't do it. They had to like do their own version. They're like, it's kind of like that. And I'm like, no, it's not. So um, <laughs> I, I have uh, another film that I was in that was a black and white short film. It's called Out of the Night, and it's actually directed by Skip Shea, who just premiered his newest short film called Priest Hunter online. Awesome. Yes, the title does imply exactly what you could possibly be thinking about what a priest hunter is about. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a question for you. Sure. Have you ever been to Universal Studios the theme park? No, and I don't think anyone else is going to be going there this year, that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's... That's unfortunate, but when it opens back up, eventually you do need to wake, make your way down there because they have, not that I can really remember much of it since I didn't have um, like a cell phone back in those days when, when I originally went. But yeah, so they have a uh, Universal Monster Night uh, for Halloween, and uh, the Universal Monsters are always a part of it, uh, at least in a, sec in a section or something like that. And they have an entire section of the park um, 
like a small section. I believe it's a restaurant, and they have some of the original props. It's really cool to see. I was watching uh, The Magicians recently. Have you ever seen The Magicians TV series? I have not. Okay, on in one of the episodes, they had Claude Rains, the Invisible Man, on the TV. I thought that was very cool. The the movie theater that Sam and Dean or Dean or sorry Sam goes to is playing what movie on its uh, Monarch? I did not pay attention. Uh, <laughs> I'm guessing Dracula. No, he's not. He's, it's not a monster that actually appears. In the episode, Sam goes to a movie theater, and the music that I was just playing to introduce Mel to talk about the black and white horror movie that she was in, representation of Phantom of the Opera. That makes sense. The Universal Monster movies go back, by the way, to the 1910s. And now, this is a Warner Brothers television show. Warner Brothers wasn't really as well known for their, uni- for their monster movies as much as Universal was. So I didn't do a lot of digging on Warner Brothers horror movies of the bygone era, but I'm not really familiar with any of them, because all the Universal Monsters, uh, the, the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the Hunchback of Notre Dame, the Phantom of the Opera, Dracula, Frankenstein, the Mummy, the Invisible Man, the Bride of Frankenstein, da- Dracula's Daughter, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, they all come from Universal Studios. All of them. In terms of like Warner Brothers Universal Monsters, uh, the biggest things that come to mind, if you even try and look anything up these days, it's anything modern. It's Annabelle. It's the uh, it, it's it's Annabelle. It's the Conjuring universe. That's their big claim to fame for the horror genre. Now they own they owned for five minutes Freddy and Jason because they owned New Line Cinema and New Line Cinema owned Freddy and they eventually uh, owned Jason and then New Line Cinema got dissolved into Warner Brothers. Is that when they made Freddy versus Jason? Uh, they made it in 2003. That was one of the last um, New Line Cinema movies. Uh, their biggest New Line Cinema started with um, a bunch of really crappy films, and then Freddy Krueger became, you know, the house that the, the house that Freddy built is New Line Cinema. They got absorbed into Warner Brothers after New Line Cinema made a little trilogy of independent films by Peter Jackson called The Lord of the Rings. Excellent. Their other claim to fame is right now they, they, uh, they alongside uh, another company, own the Godzilla films, or at least they, lic- they have the license to the Godzilla films. Excuse me. Toho Studios still owns Godzilla, but they have the license to make Godzilla movies. So Godzilla, Godzilla King of the Monsters, Kong Skull Island, and the pushed back King Kong versus Godzilla movie, uh, which was pushed back from March of this year to November because of reshoots, by the way. No. June, sorry. So it was pushed back due to reshoots, not because of coronavirus. Uh, and that was announced uh, a while ago, before the quarantine happened. But um, the It films, uh, Doctor Sleep, Meg, that's what you come up with for Warner Brothers Universal Monster, uh, Monster, Monster films owned by Warner Brothers. Deep Blue Sea, another shark movie, The Meg. I watched The Meg. Yeah. And I was, I was really, really excited to watch it. And, eh. Yeah, it's not that. It's okay. I mean, it's great to show it to your kids. <laughs> uh, by the way, Abbas, Abbott Costello meet uh, Frankenstein. Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein was one of the last movies of the 1940s. They also met The Invisible Man and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and The Mummy, but those films came out in the 50s. So the, they still count the 50s as part of the Universal Monster Collection because The Creature from the Black Lagoon, all three of his films came out in the 50, in the 50s. If it wasn't for Abbott Costello, The Invisible Man, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, and, and Frankenstein would have been, like, long gone. Because the last Frankenstein movie came out in 44. And then um, 
there's House of Dracula, which does have the Frankenstein monster in it. So, by the way, all of these monster movies by Universal were in continuity with, the, with each other, for the most part. They were the original um, cinematic universe. Yeah. Um, the biggest cinematic universe we have today for horror is the Conjuring universe, which is hit or miss. Um, obviously, the biggest cinematic universe ever is the Marvel universe. I mean, it's, it goes without saying. Um, and we're going to get some horror with that. Several universes in one. <laughs> right, but it's they all live in the same universe. Spider-Man, you know, yeah. Iron Man shows up in the Spider-Man movie. The Avengers team up the, to, with the Guardians of the Galaxy to stop Thanos. And we're going to get a horror movie out of that soon with Blade and Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness, being directed by Sam Raimi. That'll be fantastic. Definitely. That's all the notes I have here for this episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore, which covers one of my favorite mo- episodes of the show, Monster Movie. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you, Mel. Of course. Send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. If you want to leave a rating on iTunes, you can. Please do. If you would like to support us, you can. Someone said, why don't you have a coffee thing opening up? And I was like, isn't that just Patreon? They're like, yeah, but it's not like you have to like give stuff away. I was like, oh, that's the new thing that everyone's talking about. <laughs> that's like, I don't have to do like a thousand extra things of work to appease people to help support the show. Do you want better? If you are a business and you would like us to play a promo for you on this show, contact us at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. Help support the show that way. If you have an event coming up that you'd like to promote, an event that's maybe been pushed off, maybe you have an event online that you'd like to promote, send us an email at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. We will play a spot for you every week on the show for a year. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back in a couple weeks with another exciting episode of Supernatural Creatures and Lore. You can find us on our group at Supernatural Creatures and Lore or at our individual Twitters at Chris D.S.A.V. At Mel Heflin. And we do have a Twitter for Supernatural Creatures and Lore, which will be up and running again very shortly. Thank you, everyone. In the shadows you can hear the sound The rumble 